Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to another episode of Uncommon Drive. My name is Chad Ozy, and I am here with Jeff Cross. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm well. How are you? I am doing great. We are officially into the season. Uh, yes, we are. Uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, we've been doing all the prep and everything, and now we are finally actually working games. How's your time on the court been so far? Uh, it's been, you know, exciting. It's been exciting. You know, it's nice. You know, we've got some, you know, last year we spent a lot of time with no fans. We have some fans in the building. Um, you know, it's just really nice to get back. You know, we always talk about it being a grind sometimes in, in December and January, but I'm never been more happy to be part of the grind right now. So, um, it's been going really, really well. You know, I've had that exact same experience. It's been so interesting talking with officials in the locker room before the game. And it's like, oh my gosh, isn't it, isn't it good to be out mm-hmm. here? People talk about how good their legs feel and all. Yeah. We know that come February, we won't be having those same kind of mm-hmm. comments. Yeah. Uh, but it's been it's been great to do that. It's been fun to uh, to flip on the TV when you get back at night and see who was working where and mm. uh, and and watching what was going on in those games and it's it's a ton of fun. And we know a lot of you uh, are in the exact same spot. You have uh, you've hit your season running. For some of you that are working high school ball, uh, that is right around the corner. We got stuff happening here uh, near us coming up this next week or so. Uh, and so a lot of you are officially beginning your season, mm. not just the preseason anymore. And so uh, we're excited for you as you get started with your season. And then we also know there are many of you that have just put the gear away, like we talked about last week. Uh, and uh, you are uh, you are looking forward to your offseason. And we know that some of you work multiple sports. And so you may be working another sport at, at whatever level this uh, this winter. Um, and some of you will just get some downtime, whether you're uh, letting the body rest or you've got other job obligations mm. that keep you from uh, from doing that during this particular season. And we have some things that we're going to talk about today that are going to affect each and every one of us, whether we're in season or out of season. And Jeff, I'm excited about today because we're going with listener questions today. Put it on a drum roll, please. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and the cool thing about that is that, uh, number one, it means that... Uh, that several of you are interacting with us, and mm-hmm. we really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. One of the best places that you can send questions to us is Uncommon Drive Podcast at gmail.com. It's a great way to reach out to us. That goes to both Jeff and I, and we're able to respond to you there. Uh, and uh, we have heard this week from uh, people that are that are brand new to listening to the podcast, for people that have been listening to us from the very beginning. Uh, we've got a couple questions that we're going to pull out from the last uh, couple weeks, and we're looking forward to how uh, hopefully that will impact all of us as we make our uh, uncommon drive towards success. Also, don't forget, as you're listening, uh, flip down and give us a rating on whatever uh, platform you listen to your podcast at, and it really what would be super helpful to us is if you would leave us a review. Uh, tell us uh, what's helpful to you, and uh, that'll help others get pointed in the right direction as well. All right, Jeff, you ready to start off with our questions today? Let's do it. I'm excited. Just I wanted to backpedal. You know, it, it has been fun, but two, I had a game Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? My game Wednesday, 
when I come out of the arena, it was a six o'clock tip, come out of the arena, it is just raining, raining, brutal rain. And I had to drive about two and a half hours to my hotel and it rained. And I got up in the morning and it rained and I drove to the next game and it rained. And I thought to myself, self, at least it's not snowing. So (laughs) I was so happy to see, I'm like, you know what? I can deal with this, but it was, it was daunting, you know, and Mm -hmm. maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm getting older, but I feel like when I drive in the rain, I can't see the white lines and yellow lines as clearly. Is it because, you know, COVID's cut back on painting lines on the roads or am I just getting older? I'm going to go with COVID. Yeah. It it may be a combination. Is we're looking at this here. I, I will tell you, I had a, a long drive back on Tuesday night after my game. I had a little over a three and a half hour drive to get mm. back home after my game, and I was fine to the last hour. It was fog so thick that I could oh. not see. And uh, at one point, I even thought about pulling off to the side of the road. I'm like, that's no good because then if somebody else decides to pull off the side of the road, they won't see me in front of them. Right? You know, it, it can't be a good deal. And uh, so that's a reminder to everybody as you're out there doing this work, be safe as you travel. Another, you know, coming home last night, I'm like uh, the last hour, always it seems like, you know, that's the, the tough one, right? So I had a seven o'clock tip last night. So, and like a, a three hour drive getting home and that last hour tends to, to weigh on you. I'm like, I'm just going to pull over at this exit, stretch my legs, go to the gas station, maybe get something to drink, right? I stopped at three exits in a row three gas stations and they were all closed Mm -hmm. because they don't have any employees. And I caught home. I talked to my wife this morning. I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this season. If there's a, there's not places for me to stop and, you know, do something. It could be tough. So I didn't realize, I mean, you don't realize it, I guess, until you try to go somewhere at 11 o'clock at night and it's all closed up. So, but you know what, Jeff, believe it or not, that actually leads us perfectly into our very first question Ooh, today. I like it. Uh, and what's awesome about this is Jeff doesn't know what all these questions are. Mm, it's a lot more fun to get his uh, off the cuff take on some of this. <laughs> um, but one of the questions that we were given this week is what is your pregame routine? And by that, they meant not just in the locker room, but as as you're preparing to go somewhere, uh, whether it's how early are you gonna leave, how soon do you wanna get somewhere, what are the things you do before you get to the arena, when you get to the arena, that kind of thing. Um, what's what's the, the pre-game routine of crew chief Jeff Cross? Well, <laughs> it's the same whether I'm you two or crew chief, yeah. Um, some of this, I believe you guys, and even you, Chad, might think it's funny. Um, one thing for sure that I do just basketball related is I always check our, our website to make sure there's not any new notes for the day. So I typically check that in the morning, you know, game day, I'll check it in the morning. I usually check the website every day, but I make sure I check it on game day, check it in the morning and then also check it again uh, before I walk in the arena, just to make sure there wasn't some last minute memo that came out that could apply to our game. So that's one thing that I do, but if I let's, I'm trying to do a time frame here. So I have a seven o'clock tip. We're required to be in the locker room 90 minutes prior. So that makes it 5:30. So if I know that I have, so I whatever. I was in Milwaukee last night. So I GPSed it right from. I'm sitting in my couch on my couch, and I'm going, okay. I put the arena address in, and it says two hours and 37 minutes door to door. So I just say, okay, that's a three hour drive. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to be there early. So if I have to be there at 5.30, so I'm counting as a three-hour drive, but I really want to be there a minimum of 30 minutes. I want to be in the town a minimum of, of two hours prior to tip. So that means i got to be in town at 5. So we take that. So that's 4, 3, 2. That means I'm leaving at 2. And then I throw in 30 minutes, a minimum of 30 minutes wiggle time, flat tire, stuck in traffic. So that's that, I'm calculating that the morning or maybe the night before on when I'm going to leave. So then I just tell myself, okay, I'm going to leave somewhere between 1 and one thirty. You know, that's that's that way I'm never late. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say never late, but I'm, I'm stacking the cards in my favor that sure. I'm going to be on time. That is something that I do. And then you ask yourself, well, what does Jeff do when he, he shows up to Milwaukee and you don't have to be in a locker room for another 60 minutes, maybe more? Well, what he does is he usually finds the closest Walgreens. <laughs> you know, I'll go to Walgreens and something that uh, 
I'm sure you're all going to think I'm crazy for this, but I, when I go into a Walgreens, one sec, when I, one section I have to go to when I'm in a Walgreens is I have to go into the aisle that as seen on TV aisle. I know that's not stupid, right? But I am so attracted to that. I'm like, wow, look at this little gadget. You know, this thing can like, you know, you can clap and it'll turn your lights on, you know, all that stuff. So I, you know, that's just kind of my way to not really even getting game ready, just maybe decompress a little bit. Okay. You just had a three hour drive, get out, stretch your legs. Maybe you need some toothpaste, whatever that, you know, whatever you might need. And that's usually my go-to spot. Then when I'm there, if I after I come back out and I still have time, that is when I spend some time going through um, emails or something that I can reply to, text or anything like that. And then you know, even yesterday, I spent some time going over my quiz. Mm-hmm. So I'm there. So I'm now kind of getting more game ready. You know, I haven't even walked in the arena yet, and I'm getting game ready by looking at quizzes. You know, maybe I'll call someone and touch base with them for 20 minutes or so just to get talk more basketball. Um, but that's something I do every day before a game um, that is, isn't even related to doing a pregame. Mm-hmm. These are just some rituals, right? We all have our little rituals that we do. Uh, we're almost like superstitious in that way, right? Sure. If 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 there came a time when I couldn't, if maybe I was running late and I didn't get a chance to be in town early, not that I couldn't survive, but I would feel a little cattywampus there like i'd like to get myself together a little bit more so i think that is you got to find those things that make you comfortable sure make you you know whether it's i typically don't eat you know i don't do those kind of things i get food for afterwards i always make sure my tank is full so when i'm after the game i can go I do so not. That's something you're doing before the game. That's right. I, my tank is full. If I have time, I'm going to make sure I fill up. Even if I only need a quarter of a tank, I want to have it full because, because first of all, you never know what's going to happen, right? You could get in the locker room after your game, and there's an email going, "Hey, you got a new assignment. Now you're going to whatever Omaha instead of to Chicago." Well, that's a big thing. If I've got a full tank of gas, I'm ready. My car's pointed in the right direction and I can move or whatever the scenario might be. So, well, and, and let's just tie that into what you said a minute ago. It's the kind of thing where if you're on your way home and all of a sudden those gas stations that mm, you're used to stopping at mm-hmm, on the way home mm-hmm. are closed, yeah. now you've got you, you had enough gas to get home. We're yeah. going to get you to that next place. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just something that I do. I just make sure that it's full and I'm ready to go. And because, I'm in such, you know, I've been doing it, you know, for a while that I'm in such a habit to know that I have a full tank. If I don't fill it up, I typically just start driving and then I find myself two hours of my trip and then, you know, my light comes on, my gas light comes on. I'm like, oh no, I didn't fill up. So it's just not a good feeling, right? So um, I just make sure that's that's taken care of. So I'm going to stop you there because that's kind of everything that happens before you get to the arena. Now we've got people listening going, okay, Jeff, that's fine. For the guy that's going to work, you know, all his Division One games and he doesn't have to be in the office at mm-hmm. 8 o'clock in the morning or whatever it might be. So, yeah, sure. If, if I had the flexibility of a Jeff Cross, mm-hmm. I could do that. Um, and I say that sarcastically just for a little extra effort there. But <laughs> what you do have another job, but you have some flexibility with that job. Sure. But just like any job, you have to do the communication there that allows you to have that freedom and flexibility. Mm-hmm. So if there's a, a meeting that you really need to be at at two o'clock and you found out you needed to leave at one o'clock in order to be where you need to be on time, you've got to do communication ahead of time and say, Hey, I really need to reschedule this meeting so that I can do what I need to do. The other thing that I think is interesting, and you mentioned COVID a minute ago, COVID made it possible for many of us to have more flexibility at work. Mm. Not less. Many of us now have greater freedom to do um, remote access with our jobs. Sure. Um, I do not work the levels that Jeff works. <clears throat> I don't. I don't have some of that same flexibility that Jeff has. But I will tell you, for part of my pregame routine, is I I check and see how far away it is. I do mm. all those same kinds of things. But I also look at when can I avoid the most traffic. Mm-hmm. So I told you I had a, a game. I was actually in Milwaukee this week. Uh, we were not working the same arena, but I was I was just right right around the corner from where Jeff worked when I worked my game on Tuesday night. And uh, when I went to that game, 
I knew I was going to have to drive through Chicago and I was going to have to drive into downtown Milwaukee, both of which can have traffic. And so I just made the decision, you know what, if, if I make it to where I'm going through Chicago right after rush hour in the morning, now remember I had a seven o'clock tip that night. So it wasn't like I had to be there at 2.30 in the afternoon or anything like that. I, I'm real similar in that I like to be there early, I think. <clears throat> but I just made the decision, I'm going to work remotely that day. And so I left, and I got up there, and I found a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And um, it actually was a beautiful day uh, in Milwaukee. And so I walked right down from the, the New Performing Arts Center downtown Milwaukee. I parked in the garage that the, the college provides for us to park in, so it didn't cost me anything extra. And I walked three or four blocks down to this Starbucks, and I set up shop, and, and I worked remotely for the day right there. Now, not everybody has, again, that kind of flexibility. But when we're looking ahead, what that does is now it removed so much stress from my day. Mm -hmm. There was no worry of what if there's a major accident and the interstate gets shut down. There was no what if I have a a flat tire? What if, you know, because we all know that feeling when we're running late. Now, just so that everybody understands this in college women's basketball, we have certain expectations placed on us as far as when we should arrive. And if you work baseball, your numbers are different than this. If you work high school or other levels, your your numbers are different. For me, when I work an NCAA game, um, I am expected to be in the arena or in the gym, depending on the school, 90 minutes before game time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty typical. There are a few assigners that will say 75 minutes, but most of them say 90 minutes ahead of time. I work for other assigners at other levels, um, like I said, D3, uh, JUCO, NAIA, some of those. Some of those assigners want me there 75 minutes ahead. Some want me there 60 minutes ahead. Some say 45 minutes ahead. I literally have one assigner that said, as long as you're there by the time the ball goes up, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but because you said we're creatures of habit, what what I've done is I take whatever my longest period of time is and I make that my default. Smart. So yes, I'm, Smart. I'm working at a junior college that only requires me to be there 45 minutes before tip. But guess what? I'm gonna be there 90 because that's my routine. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm set up ready to do. And uh, I know there's some of you that are listening going, but, but that doesn't work for me because I, for every hour I leave work early, that's vacation time I have to take. All right, but I'm, I'm telling you that Giving yourself flexibility with that time is going to make you a better official. Well, and I'll I, and the people who are saying that, I'm going to throw this back at them. If you have to be punched in by eight thirty, and you're not there by eight thirty, it is just a, you know you punch in at eight thirty-five. Do they charge you fifteen minutes? Probably so. So guess what? You're probably on time. Mm-hmm. You're there early because you don't want to lose out on your fifteen minutes. So I get it. But some way or another, if you're showing up early for your nine to five because you don't want to be docked, then what's the big deal whether you show up late and then now you don't now you leave at two o'clock instead of taking that hour off. So I think there's some there are arguments there. And as much as you don't want to admit it, they're both jobs. Yep. They're both jobs that require some sort of Show up time, whatever that is. And I've always argued, well, that's foolish. I got to be there 90 minutes prior or, or even 60 minutes. But the job doesn't think that. Mm-hmm. The job thinks that you need to be there 60 minutes or 90 minutes prior. So if you want to do this job, this is going to be a requirement. If you can't meet that requirement, then maybe that job isn't for you. And I think that's, we, we do that across the board. Even if it's not officiating, maybe I work at Subway part time. And Subway, you're supposed to be there, you know, you start your shift at 5 o'clock because you get off work at your 9 to 5 job at 4, we'll call it, and you've got 60 minutes. They still want you punched in before 5 o'clock. Sure. And we have no arguments doing that. So this is just part of the job. The game starts at 6, your job starts at 4.30. Yeah. And I love that. And, you know, we've talked before about different things that we might do, you know, once we get into the, the gym, the way we would prepare, the way we would talk with our crew and all. But I just think it's good sometimes for us to think about – this process of what is your 
pre-game routine when you travel? If you're one of those officials that um, flies to games, are you grabbing the first flight out in the day? So that way there's three extra flights in case mm-hmm. something gets delayed or another Southwest weekend happens, mm-hmm. whatever, right. you know? Yeah, right. um, or are, are you trying to grab that, the, the last one possible that'll still get you there in time? Yeah. And just giving yourself that leeway because not only is it good for you as an official, but it's great for your crew. If if you're you're there with your crew and it's you and one other person and you're waiting on that third, you know, or it's it's a, a baseball game and, and you're waiting on your plate umpire and you're supposed to be the base umpire, and you're like, man, they don't even have enough time to get their plate gear on. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it puts everybody in an uncomfortable position. And so if something would happen and now something major is taking place and you are going to be late. It's a whole lot easier to then communicate with your, hey guys, just so you know, I, I had scheduled to be there about two and a half hours before game time. I wanted to get in town about, you know, 30, 60 minutes before we even need to be there. There's a major pile up on the interstate. We've been at a dead stop for an hour. I'm going to be there, but it's, it's going to be an hour before game time. If you've communicated that and they know that your plan and because we all work with each other in this crazy world of officiating, we yeah. get to know. And, and people know Jeff's always going to be there early. So now if Jeff does have to call and say, guys, I'm I'm going to be late because of this unforeseen circumstance, they know that's the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. You know, And they, they know that Jeff's going to be prepared. So it's not just about taking care of ourselves and putting ourselves in a good place, but it's about putting our crews in a good place to be successful as well. Just a, a short story about this situation, you know, I, and and how I operate. Like I'm in town early, right? Well, I was doing a game in Eastern Time Zone, and I didn't do the the math correctly. But I was already in town, and my partners called me. Go, hey, where are you at? I said, you know, I'm right here in town. He goes, Well, you coming to the game? Uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. Why? He goes, Well, you know, it starts in in 60 minutes. What? Wait a second, you know. But thankfully, I was already in town. I had already planned ahead. I was just sitting probably either out in the parking lot or at Walgreens or wherever I was waiting. And then they happened to call. So it worked out to my advantage. But for whatever reason, I miscalculated the math So on the, on the time change. So I think that's it's going to cause less stress. Yeah, you may lose out on 30 minutes of vacation time. But you chose to take on this second position as a sports official and sometimes they require you know a little bit more out of you than you would like to give but part of the job i like that now our next question i think applies to us across a lot of different sports and and the question came from a a, i'll say a more veteran official asking what are ways that you can make an impact on newer officials as they are developing, not just younger, because we all know there are people that start at different ages of life, you know, but as, as somebody who's more experienced, what are some specific concrete ways that you can help newer officials develop? Yeah, um, that's a great question because, you know, I've come to this, this thought process that we're all not cookie cutter people. Mm-hmm. And I can give you the things you need to do, but that only may may only work for Chad Ozzy. It may not work for the Bill Smith. And so these answers, I think all all though they may be good or they may be a pillar, you still may have to adjust them in a way to who you're trying to communicate. Because we all know if I give whatever three pillars to a 20-year-old, you know, fresh out of high school, it's going to be way different than if I give three pillars to a 35 year old who's been a professional and is a dad and knows kind of those kind of things. So, but I would stick to the basics, you know, the, the basic things, um, have the proper uniform, you know, and, and when they have the proper uniform, you find success in that. Wow. Your shirt looks good on you. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what that is the proper high school shirt that has the embroidered patch on it or whatever that may be. That's, those are the things you want. And, we're, we're afraid, right? We're afraid to tell someone, hey, your pants are too long. You know, they don't look proper on you. They, they look fine if, you, you know, if you're going to a funeral or whatever. But, you know, you want to look a little bit more professional and you want to have nicely hemmed pants that fit you right on the, on the edge of the, the shoe. So those, are, I think, if we can find those basic things. And then we're, we're, we're encouraging younger officials, newer officials, I apologize, 
you know, we have to, we have to ask them, Hey, did you do your test? Do you need help with your test? Did you do your quiz? You know, those kind of things. Did you, you did your quiz. what do you think of question number five? You have to ask them those things. And, and I, I don't want this. I think this is a big mistake. Hey, I got the answer to the quiz. You want it? Mm. That's a, that's a mistake because now we've just taught this newer official. I don't have to really do anything. They're just going to feed it to me because we're it's it's hard to not buy into that because we're so short on officials. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're so short on officials, and I don't want to have to do every game seven nights a week. So I'm just going to give you the answers so you can grab a couple of games so I can get a night off. Not fair to the official, not fair to the, the new official, the coaches, the players, anyone, because they're just um, basically checking the box, not really filling out the answers. So um, I think those are some things that that are just musts do for people. Um, and reach out to them. I think if we reach out to them, even if it was not necessarily about the quizzes or the tests, but how was your game? Oh, you have a game this weekend. That's cool. You know, how did it go? Oh, it was a 30-point blowout. Perfect. You know, whatever whatever the scenario was. Did you did you find the, you know, the basketball? Did you find the school okay? You know, was that hard? Or, you know, what, you know, tell me more about it. What happened? So that way, it'll open up that, that line of communication. So hopefully, when that newer official is thinking about buying a parent, new pair of shoes, they'll reach out to you and say, what kind of shoes do you think I should buy? You know, what kind of shoes do you wear? And, and I think that helps with the building confidence over years. Instead of, I think we probably spend too much time trying to give them the, you know, the the elite information when really they just need some foundation blocks to get them to, to make it through the year. Mm-hmm. And then they get six months off and like, okay, I didn't die. So let's try it again. Yeah. You know, I had a, uh, a supervisor who was at a, a clinic one time, a clinic camp where they were teaching. And he turned to a few of us that were there as clinicians. And he made the statement. He said, I wish that I could get people to focus on the normal stuff mm-hmm. rather than the advanced mm-hmm. stuff. And so we were joking around and it was, a, it was a baseball camp. And so somebody said, well, you know, all we have to do is, is tell them that if calling a pitch that's right down the middle of strike is an advanced mechanic. And part of what he was doing, you know, the, the big joke is we weren't call, they weren't calling those strikes. They had these, they had too small strike zone. They were trying to be too finesse with it, whatever, you know, okay. Hey, you know, everybody knows that a pitch down the middle is a strike. Yeah. So let's just call that an advanced mechanic and because we call it an advanced mechanic. Everybody will want to do it. Yeah. Only say advanced. Oh, I want to be advanced. That's right. right? That is true. Very and, true. And, and again, I think that kind of goes to what you're saying there. You know, those kinds of things, those, those building block kind of things are really what's going to help somebody elevate. Now, once you've gotten to a certain level, then yes, those advanced things are what begin to differentiate you between different people. I remember one time you were working with a, a group of basketball referees and you were teaching them to uh, signal an attempted three-pointer with the arm that was towards midcourt rather than towards the inline. Mm-hmm. And some people kind of felt that that was an advanced mechanic. You know, who cares which arm you go up with? But then you gave some very direct reasoning for why. He said, look, if you use the arm that's near the inline, there's a greater chance for it to impede your vision for something you need to see, whether it's a potential foul on the shooter or a, out of bounds on a on a rebound or whatever. You know, So the reason you're doing it was not because it was advanced, but because it could, in that moment, very practically help people see and call a better game. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't about which arm was going up. It was about what can I see? Uh, and when you explained it that way, all of a sudden people were, were ready to hear that. And so again, I, and I especially think for some of the generations that we have coming now, um, not just the newer, but the younger that are there, they, they want to hear the why. Mm, yeah, that's true. I think I grew up in a generation that said, if I had a coach tell me to do something, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And there was no questioning it because that was just part of the way that authority worked. Mm-hmm. Um, we operate in a culture now that is much more receptive to giving the whys behind it. And so 
If you're frustrated that you are giving information to a newer official and they're not receiving it and implementing it, my suggestion would be look for ways to give them the why. Don't get frustrated that they need the why, Mm -hmm. right? Look for ways to give them the why because it's going to help them get better and it's going to make you a better mentor, coach, guide. And maybe even ask the question, do you understand why we're doing it this way? Yeah. Do you understand why, you know, I think it's better? If they say, you know, hopefully they say yes or no, right? If they say yes or say, why is it? Then tell me why. Because that if if they know, or let's let's say they, they say, no, I, I, I know, but they really don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know why we're doing it. Okay, tell me. And then they tell me the wrong answer. Guess what that means? I'm a bad teacher. Because I'm not teaching them my why, the why. But they're saying it, they say it, but they don't. They don't respond with that correct answer. So that means, so instead of, if you want to be an excellent teacher, an excellent mentor, right, or someone that helps newer officials, and you ask them why, and they go yes, and then you don't just walk away from that. You say, okay, what is it? Mm -hmm. And then if they give you the wrong answer, then you have to change your delivery so they get the right why. Because it doesn't help us if you say, yeah, you understand the why? Yes, I do. But they really don't. And then we just walk away. And we're we're not a good teacher that way. And on the flip side, if you're that newer official and somebody's giving you instruction and you really are struggling with the why, one of the great ways to lead into that conversation is, hey, so let me understand this. The reason why we're doing this is blank. So answer the question before the mentor asks it, because mm-hmm. maybe your mentor just isn't isn't wired that way. That's not something they've done because it's not the way they were mentored. And so if you do that, then it's going to open up that communication. Oh, no, no, that's not why we do that. We do that because of this or that or the other. And now that helps us understand and get better. This is what I'm going to. So something I heard, you know, in my YouTube experience, right? The, the way to be more engaged in a conversation is you need to do a couple things. You can repeat the last three words that someone said to you, or you can say, tell me more. So in that situation, if you are, if you're a teacher or if you're the, you know, the student and say, Hey, I want you to put your outside hand up because when you put your outside hand up, you have a better chance of seeing the next play. And then you should respond back with an answer like, tell me more or see the next play. Tell me more. That is going to engage that teacher to tell you more. Or if you're the teacher and they ask a question, and I don't understand. I don't understand why I have to outside hand up. Tell me more why you don't understand that. And that's going to just bring out more conversations that is going to help us. So last three words, and then finish it with "Tell me more." I like that. Now I love this next question because I think this next question is really key um, for some of us that have, have may just put the gear away. Right. You know, uh, we're football officials that just finished our high school football season or finishing up college uh, baseball folks that put stuff away for the fall, whatever sport is that you're working. And now you're in your off season Um, and maybe you're an official that you're not working anything over the winter. Um, the, The question is, how does watching and engaging with other sports help you become a better official when your season rolls back around? Or let's apply it to everybody. How is it that watching another sport, how how is it that watching NFL football on Sunday, for instance, might make me a better basketball official on Tuesday? Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you one way it doesn't make you a better official. It's if you just criticize the officials. (laughs) That does not make you a better official. That's right. I mean, even if... You just watch body language of an official. I find myself watching any game, whatever sport it is, I'm always just looking at the mannerisms of officials, body language, facial expressions, you know, all of that stuff that I think that I can maybe take just a little nugget away. I don't have to pay, you know, $150 for the ticket to to try and learn it. I can just sit there and watch it. And I even do stuff like, I'll look at someone's uniform, whether it not even be in basketball, let's just look at football. And I don't know if anybody notices this. Of course, they have these thicker stripes, right? And they have a little bit different design. But if you look at most football officials in the NFL, 
they have it where they're the top part of their chest of their shirt is brought in on both sides because you can see it because it's typically it's a black panel mm-hmm. on the sides in the NFL, but it's met, it's tapered in at the top just to kind of give everyone a little bit better um, presentation of a physique, whether they're in good shape or not, but it just looks a little better on them. Well, wait a second. I can use that to my advantage in my shirt. If, okay, if that's loose, then I want to just tighten that up just a little bit so that way it doesn't, you know, don't just throw your shirt on. That's something I, I've picked up all the time. I've, I remember one time I watched an NBA game and I noticed that, you know, they had the gray shirts, right? Instead of them tapering it in, I saw it. He had an elastic bunch put on both sides. So that way, whatever, it's Thanksgiving, he gained two or three pounds, that elastic went out with him. And then when he lost it, it went in with him. And he never had to readjust the shirt. And I thought, well, that is just genius. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I can't find a seamstress that knows what they know how to, how to do that yet. But but I just think that, you know, that's how how are you going to get better? Pay attention to the detail. Quit worrying about booing the referee or cheering for your team because, you know, they missed a field goal. Use that to your advantage. Okay, you got it. You're, you're a big Bears fan or a Packers fan, whatever that is, then you cheer for them. That's fine. But when you watch another football game, try and use some of that to your education. Well, you know, one of the things that I find really interesting when it comes to watching other sports, and again, being a multi-sport official, um, you just learn to to watch the sport differently. You're almost always watching it from the perspective of the officials, even if it's a sport you don't know well. Hmm. Uh, but uh, especially when you watch football, I find it very interesting that the referee on the game, uh, if you don't work football, the referee is the one wearing the white hat mm-hmm. um, versus the, the black hats. Um, the white hat has to speak all the time, mm-hmm. right? So there's a penalty, uh, holding, offense, number 55, 10-yard penalty, repeat, second down. And those responses that they give seem very comfortable. Well, my guess is they have practiced that over and over and over and there's a real simple reason why because if if they stumble through a statement uh holding on wait what what number was that Mm -hmm. oh yeah on 55 offense Mm -hmm. you know and, and it's this stilted kind of communication all of a sudden the credibility of that crew nosedives Mm -hmm. just because the person struggled to communicate in a very public setting. I mean, there are times they're doing this for 100,000 people plus. University mm-hmm. of Michigan, more than 100,000 people in the in those stands, and, and somebody's got to be out there communicating that. Um, I had the opportunity just this week to watch a, a game that, that you worked. I watched the, the TV broadcast. There were a couple of review plays that you guys had to go to monitor for. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that monitor... Uh, you were the crew chief on the game, I believe. So while you were taking care of things with the official book and stuff like that at the table, you sent one of your uh, one of the members of your crew over to media to explain to them what was happening. And when she went over to do that, media literally took and turned their mic around to pick up everything that she said in that moment. And to her credit, she did a phenomenal job of communicating what the ruling was, what you'd been looking for, what it now meant. Hey, shot clock's going to be at this, and it's going to be this possession, and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. She used rule book terminology. She was very clear and well-spoken in that moment. And that can happen to any one of us at any level. Yep. You know, you go over as a high school basketball official, and you're explaining something to the, um, to the book, because there's a technical foul, you don't know that PA announcer may have that mic on mm-hmm. right there. And so if you fumble through it, even if it's just an accidental over here, everybody in that gym now wonders about your credibility. So I think it's a great reminder to us that no matter the sport we work, we need to be constantly practicing mm-hmm. our communication because it it elevates our credibility no matter the sport we're working Think about it. If you fumble through an explanation to a coach, even though you told them all the right answers, but you fumbled through it and this coach doesn't understand what you're saying, you've lost credibility. Mm-hmm. Whether they understand or not, maybe they don't understand rule book language and you know, listen, the, the, 
defender was illegally was already legally established, so they're allowed to back up into the restricted area. And they don't get any of that jargon, right? But you stayed with and you were not stuttering, you stayed within that rule book knowledge. When they repeat it, well, well, what did the official say? Well, they said they established outside, then they went back into. I don't know what it means, but that's what they told me. Mm-hmm. And that is, a, you're having a better chance of them, instead of just going, yeah, you know, usually, you know, and we're not going to do that all the time. And they don't they don't buy into that. Mm-hmm. And that same thing can happen when we're explaining to the scores table. When we explain the scores table, and like you said, even if it's an overheard and it doesn't go over the microphone, well, the PA announcer is probably going to have to say what's, you know, what is the ruling? Mm-hmm. That's his or her job. And and they're like, okay, go ahead and announce it. Well, I don't know what it is because this guy or girl was over here stuttering mm-hmm. and I have no idea what the problem is. So that's where, you know, I've always said you always need to rehearse. Mm-hmm. You, you know, even as much as rehearse, what would you say if I was asked this question? If I see, you know, a coach having a discussion with my partner about a double dribble, I want to know what would I say if that coach asked me about that same double dribble? What would I say? And how would I say it? And then I ask my partner, what did you say? You said this. Oh, I like that. That is all part of preparation that we need to do on a daily basis, hourly, even when we're watching NFL games. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, because many of us that are sports officials, we love sports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, There are very few people that, that do this job that don't enjoy athletic contests mm-hmm. and not just even in their sport. And so I, I think there are just so many opportunities to learn and get better. I remember when I was first starting out with baseball and I was learning how to use an indicator. Hmm. You know, I'd watch a, an MLB game and as they call balls and strikes, I was moving my indicator. Mm-hmm. You know, and I get to the end of that batter and I glance at, okay, I was right. And it mm-hmm. kept me from looking at my indicator every single I, I would practice taking my mask off without knocking my hat off mm-hmm. and it i mean it looked so dumb seeing my lazy boy and doing that you know but with your indicator in your hand that's exactly right taking your mask off right because yep. you're taking it off with your left hand yep. that way you can call it out with your right hand Correct. listen i i got baseball knowledge that's right man. <laughs> so you know I, I think it's the kind of thing where we can constantly be looking for stuff like that and even just body language mm-hmm. i was watching a uh, a college basketball game the other night, and I saw an official who was a coach was trying to communicate with the official, and the the official had to be moving down the court, did not have time to have a conversation, but the official used a little broader, bigger physical response, big head nod up and down, you know, open hand, like yeah, I I want to hear that kind of thing. So that that coach knew, hey, I, absolutely, I'm going to come back to this, mm-hmm. you know, moving down and coming back. And because they did that in such a big way, not just subtly, but large, everybody in the place knew that there was communication going on, mm-hmm. um, which which I think is super helpful. Because there are times I think we just we try to be understated. You know, how many times have we heard, well, man, the best officials are never seen during mm-hmm. a game. It, it's just not true. There's mm-hmm. a difference between being seen appropriately and trying to insert yourself inappropriately. Right. So you can be seen, right? That's right. Yeah, we don't want to do that just to, just to be seen. That's right. But the context of doing our job requires mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. to be seen by players, coaches, and yes, even fans. Mm-hmm. One last question uh, that I want to go with today, Jeff, and I, I think it's a really great question that I had. How do you determine whether or not your game that you just worked, whether it's immediately coming off the court or it's after looking at video, how do you determine if your game was a success? Wow. Well, a couple things. I always say, jokingly, but it's there's some seriousness in it. Only thing I can really guarantee you is we're getting ready to walk off the phone. Only thing I can guarantee tonight is we're going to get a winner. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately our job. Someone has to win the game. I would love to be able to guarantee that I'm going to be perfect. I would love to guarantee that none of us are going to miss calls. I would love to guarantee all those things. But the only thing I can guarantee is when we get done tonight, there will be a winner. Um, so I don't want to say that's a success, mm-hmm. but you know that's the small victory. Yes, we've we found a winner. 
Um, I think I don't even put grades. You know, I'm like, I don't, I got 94% correct or whatever it is. I think for me, success is, and I'll use, use my dad's quote. You know, he used to, he was a used car salesman and he would say, success is a state of mind. I'm sorry, not success is a state of mind, but a good deal is a state of mind. Okay. And I use that in all different kinds of phrases or in, in terminology. So if a coach believes they got a good game, it's a state of mind for them. Then they did. Whether or not they go back and look at film and I missed 50% of my plays, but if they feel like they got a good game out of me, then that's a success. If the players, my partners, you know, everyone involved in me feels like they got what they deserved, knowing that things are going to be missed, then I, to me that's a success. Um, I would say something that is would be not a success for me is whatever. We had big enough situation to where I, you know I'm, I'm penalized. Mm-hmm. Whether it be uh, games, not able to return back to the university, whatever this, that's that's a that's a non-win for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that I'm not always going to grade out at a ten. You know, I may grade out at a six or a seven, but if I'm still able to get a repeat business, then it's a success for me. So I think that's probably what it, my answer to that would be. You know, success is a state of mind, and um, if all parties in the game feel like they got a fair shake from me and I didn't, you know, didn't throw my partners under the bus. Um, players feel like they got a fair shake. They can talk to me, coaches, you know, all those things. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call that a success. You know, I think, and again, speaking as a coordinator here, um, it's possible to get six clips that maybe weren't great. Mm-hmm. And still have had a successful game. Mm-hmm. It's also possible to have a game where I didn't make a single wrong call. And it wasn't a successful game. Mm-hmm. I think many of us have gotten so caught up on the numbers that we've forgotten there's a bigger picture to what we do. You know, when uh, when you work a baseball game at a, a large university, they'll have pitch tracks and so we'll get a printout. They'll tell us what our accuracy was, or at least generally what our accuracy was. And so everybody wants to go, oh, you know, man, they were 96% accurate. That's amazing. Okay, well, it was, but we also had issues with both dugouts all day because we wouldn't handle the game management side of what we needed to do, mm-hmm. right? Um, man, I got... I got six clips where I, I made wrong calls on block charge plays and every single one of them, I potentially got wrong, you know? Well, but at the same time you, you put a whistle on plays that needed to have whistles put on plays, mm-hmm. you know, and the game was a competitive game and the crew communicated well and coach communication happened. And there was a, tense moment between a couple players and the crew diffused it and we went on now that's a successful game Mm -hmm. it's a very successful game in moments like that and so um we talked in one of our our most recent episodes about you know communicating with our coordinators talking with the boss Mm -hmm. and again we sometimes think that when we get communication from the boss or from somebody that the boss has designated your video coordinator whoever we get that stuff oh man you know that's oral i i will tell you this as a conference coordinator in my sport if i get a i have several of my schools that have printouts you know and if they send me a printout on one of my plate umpires and that plate umpire like it's a lost cause He's just not going to get better. Guess what? I'm not sending him his printout. Yeah. There's no use doing that to him. Mm-hmm. But if I know it's somebody that can get better, if I know it's somebody that, that wants to do it the right way, then I may send him that printout. So it's actually a sign of respect and trust from me as the coordinator that I'm giving that information to my official. Because I'm saying I know 
that you are worth this investment to mm-hmm. get better. And sometimes I think we need to look at that, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, whatever the sport might be, when we get those kinds of communications. Yeah, I, I would even take it a step further and whatever, whoever that is, that umpire that you know I'm not going to send the printout to, or even the one I'm going to send the printout to, I, I would ask the question, hey, I have a printout of your of your stats, your ball strike stats from your game over the weekend. Would you like it? That answer is going to tell me a lot about that person. That if the answer is, is let's say it's the air quotes lost cause, right? And that person responds back and goes, yeah, I had a really bad game. I would like to see that. That, that just changed my thought process on this person. Sure. Or maybe I got a, you know, a person that is, you know, it's always working conference tournaments, and you ask them, and they go, no, I know how good I am. Mm-hmm. Now I have a different thought about that person. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a way for us to use that to our advantage to learn more about the person and the way they're going about umpiring baseball or football or basketball. So that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, I, I hope that these questions have been helpful. Uh, sometimes uh, just hearing the question and getting us thinking about how we would respond is helpful to us and maybe to you as you were listening. Uh, we'd love to hear what your responses to some of these questions would be. Maybe there are things that you've thought of that we haven't. And so if you've got great responses uh, or you've got other questions, please send us an email at uncommondrivepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to interact with you. For those of you that did send in these questions, we appreciate it so much. Uh, we feel so fortunate that you trust us with some of your windshield time mm. as you drive from game to game or back and forth to work. And uh, we hope that this makes it possible for you to have an uncommon drive towards success. Jeff's got something for us, and then we're going to wrap up today. Here's my quote of the day, everybody. Believe it or not, I get my quotes from weird places. I'm going to say this quote, and then I'll tell you where I heard it from. Good decisions come from experience, and experience comes from bad decisions. That sounds very profound, right? I heard that on Chicago Med. <laughs> so, I mean, but uh, that's it just tells you who I am, right? I'm watching Chicago Med for entertainment and still learning from it. Sure. I'm putting it out of my notes. So that's my quote for the day, everybody. Always learning. Mm-hmm. Uncommon. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good week. one. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.